You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. Good morning, and thank you for joining me for The Scoop with Tanya Flanagan. I'm so happy you decided to wake up and start your day with me. Here on The Scoop, where we talk about life, joy, funny moments, trending topics, and so much more. We promise to keep you in the know and find out what you know. So, let's get started. Good morning and welcome to another Sunday here on The Scoop. I'm Tanya and I'm so excited to be here with you once again. Today we are talking about something that you don't, um, I think, is um, unique and something you don't see every day. And that is not that women golfers are unique, but I have never had the privilege of meeting an African-American female professional golfer, LPGA level Class A, and we're going to find out what all of this is all about. But before we jump into all these technical terms and all the stuff that has to do with golf um, and the links, I'd like to welcome to the show Avis Brown Riley. Avis, good morning. Good morning, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me on the show on a beautiful Sunday morning. Thank you for getting up to spend some time with me. Um, I hope you have a good cup of coffee over there and you look very pretty. So thank you for spending some time with me today. Absolutely. Thank uh, as you. I mentioned, you are a champion um, on the golf course. And I know we share a commonality um, as champions as well of breast cancer. And so at some point, I'd like for us to talk about that. But today, I want to talk about your journey as an athlete. Um, When I began to think about the opportunity to talk with you, I thought about little black girls growing up. You know, and when we come into the world, um, it's like an oxymoron. You're told both you can achieve anything you can dream you can be. And then on the flip side, you're also told what you're not going to become or what you don't quite have the access to try to even attain, right? Like it's, here's this door that's open and it's closed all at the same time, making the whole concept of doing anything you want to do, pairing it off with the oxymoron of you're just only going to make it so far. But to grow up and achieve what you have, golf, like where did golf come from as this little girl? Yes. Because you started at seven if I'm... That's correct, Tanya. So I started playing golf at the age of seven by my father, Mr. Gordon Brown, senior out of Charleston, South Carolina. Hmm. He taught myself and my three brothers to game of golf in the early 70s. So you could only imagine what that was like. So where did you, so, you know, right, and in the South. So where did you play golf? Did he actually take you to where you, I mean, when I think of golf, I think country club. I think golf course. But when I think of golf as a little girl... In the South, I have to ask, where did you learn to play golf? I learned to play golf in San Diego. My parents came from Charleston, South Carolina, okay. but then they moved to San Diego in 1960. So most of my golf has taken place in San Diego. Okay, so there was normal access to the course and all that stuff. There were no restrictions or limitations in that sense. It was just... Well, there were restrictions. Okay. You know, Keep in mind, we had just came out the Civil Rights Movement. Mm-hmm. And so we were not... We were limited... To what we can do and on the golf course. So what I mean by that is that it was more so chip and putt. Could never really go into the pro shop. 
And so when I look back and I think about it, I'm like, wow, what, why, this, why the restrictions of why you're not welcome into a pro shop? Yeah. So um, started at seven. At eight, at eight years old, you won your first championship. And then 10, you won a second one. Um, tell us a little bit of what it's, how you remember it evolving and then how it progressed to continuing to play as an adult. Oh, absolutely. So I started playing golf when I was seven years old. I won my first golf tournament at the age of eight. And by the age of 10, I was, I won the junior world and the junior world is one of the, the most prestigious golf tournaments in the world where kids come from around the world. Well, mm-hmm. I won that when I was 10 years old. So not only one trophy, but four trophies. So I am the only African-American female in the world to this day to hold four junior world trophies. And they just had that event two weeks ago in San Diego. Congratulations. Wow. I, I did not know that. Um, I am um, just sort of in awe and mesmerized because, you know, we grow up and a lot of times kids are, channeled to traditional sports are the ones that have traditionally been going on in African-American families and communities. And we're beginning to see a lot more diversity in that space now. Um, But you saw basketball and you saw football and you saw some track. Um, Now we're beginning to see lacrosse. We're seeing a bit of the golf and we're seeing, you know, more tennis with um, the Williams sisters. So we're seeing a lot more diversity coming into the athletic space where you see African-American faces blazing trails and making a difference. Um, in this space, you're also an author. Yes, I so am. So you wrote a book titled Building of a Champion. Um, tell us a little bit about that book and, and where can someone, you know, get their hands on it if they would like to read a little bit more about your story. Yes. Yeah, so back in 2018, I wrote the book Building of a Champion. How I Became a Champion in Life, the Avis Brown Riley story. And in the book, it shares a lot of my amazing accomplishments, junior golf, amateur golf, collegiate golf, being the first African-American female to win the San Diego Women's to the Amateur. And it just goes on and on and on as far as my accolades. So I thought to share my greatness with the world. Hmm. So my brother Gordon and I got together. We started putting all the information together and all the pictures and and that's how Building of a Champion came alive. So Gordon is the ghostwriter for my book as well. Oh, that's nice. That's this beautiful um, sibling story. Um, I think sometimes people, you, you talk about this and you make it sound like I did this and I did that. And it's like, you are just phenomenal and you did it. But to become disciplined and the best takes a lot of work. So to people who are listening, who may have young, who may have daughters or just sons, children, period, thinking about putting their children into um, into golf or into a sport. How many hours, what type of discipline goes into reaching the level that you reached? Great question, Tanya. So uh, the front cover of my book, I talk about dedication, determination, and having to, the desire. So when you're building a champion, you have to make sure that that individual has a true passion for that particular sport because you have to spend enormous amount of hours. Uh, We ate, slept, and drank golf because my father was the legendary Gordon Brown, so that's all we knew. And so for the listeners who are interested in introducing their youth to the game of golf, 
make sure that this is something that they really, really want to uh, be a part of. And I think that goes to say with, um, with any sport that a child is or any activity that parents put their children in. I remember growing up as a young girl, uh, my mother was very passionate about the organ. So she insisted that I play an instrument, which was great. I ended up playing piano. Um, but she loved the sound of the organ. And I remember the day we were out shopping for a baby grand. And my dad mentioned the price. And I, all I had was these visions dancing in my head of Saturday choir rehearsal every Saturday. And it wasn't like my thing that I wanted to do. So in that moment, I turned and said, oh, don't, don't get that, Dad, because I'm not going to do it anymore. Mm. I regretted it later. You know, mother knows best yes. type of thing. And I did regret it later. But it wasn't something that I was passionate about. It was something my mother was passionate about. And I agree with you on um, children exploring and discovering what matters to them. One, and that brings me to another thought that I wanted to ask you to share. As an adult, if you were writing a letter to um, your, your young self, what advice would you leave, would you have given your young self as an adult now? And if you are out ever talking to kids about um, the discipline and choice in life, what, uh, what do you say to them? What's, the, what, what's a piece of advice you would share with children today, um, given the times that they're living in and the endless options that they have? Because it's very different than it used to be now. Oh, absolutely. I would encourage them to really understand the values of what God will, will teach them. And when we talk about values, we are talking about respect, the dignity, uh, the honesty, uh, etiquette, all the fine components that will allow you to be the person that you are uh, later on in life, which helps build your character and your personality. I think that's one of the things I love so much about the way you talk about the sport, because you make me see it through a lens that I never really had um, thought about when it came to golf. You know, it was like... um, I've gone out, I've hit balls before, you know, went to the, and then drive some balls or whatever, but I'm not a golfer, right? So I'm golf illiterate in in the sense of really playing and understanding um, the art and the craft of the sport. But when you talk about it, you take it beyond what people are just seeing happening to who you are as an individual. And so it says to me that the people playing this sport are very unique specific certain types of people, um, hopefully um, developing the character that you're talking about. Um, Oh, you're absolutely right. And I like to make this statement that you're going to find some of the finest people on the golf course. Mm. And when I say finest, I mean finest. And uh, from just respect you know, having a very high level of integrity. And I also noticed that they love themselves. You have to find that inner circle. And that's what golf teaches you, you know, to win, to lose. But you really dig deep into who you are as a person. Is it because it requires um, so much focus? I mean, you really have to be still to play golf. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You really have to be still and you have to concentrate to play golf. Help us understand, help me understand, you are an LPGA player, but you're Class A. So for those of us who don't know, what are the different classes and what does that mean? Yes, so 
The LPGA is the longest running women's organization in the world. And it's quite an honor to be an LPGA Class A teaching professional. I'm the 12th African-American female in the world to hold that title out of 14. And there, I believe there's 24 African-American females today, but you have different levels. And within those different levels, you start off as an uh, apprentice, class B, class A, and then there's also one above class A, which is a master. So is that like, and, and forgive me, but this is playing, I know nothing about golf. So when you see the tournament comes on and they say we're playing the masters, is that to say that the only people on the course are people who have reached a level of classification as masters in golf? They have mastered the skill. They've ha- they have mastered themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. They've mastered themselves. They understand who they are as a person. They uh, in order to achieve it, you have to believe it. And so they have they have gotten into their brain to say, hey, you know what? I love the sport. It's my passion. And I want to be the best at what I do. And that's what they do. Wow. I, I I think it's phenomenal. And I think I know that you've taken what you have um, developed as an athlete, as a person, also as a professional, because you've also had a work life. So it's not that you um, you are a star and stellar athlete, but you also had a professional career. But before we get, I do want to talk about that a little bit, but also how you've taken this and done some motivational speaking um, as I was looking at a bit of your life story. So just like what you're sharing here and transferring to me and to our audience this morning. Um, you traveled, you've done motivational speaking. Can you talk a little bit about how the journey has taken you into that space as well? Oh, absolutely. So uh, being a pedigree of the game of golf, why not give back? Why not pass the torch? Uh, it's quite an honor to be able to work at Golf Galaxy here in Las Vegas. Uh, after comp- So what do you do at Golf Galaxy? I am there uh LPJ Class A teaching professional there. Okay. Mm-hmm. I worked there part time, and I was excited to receive the offer after competing in the fourth U.S. Women's Senior Open last August, and that was also a LPJ history-making moment as well, okay. being the first African American female in the world to play in the U.S. Senior U.S. Open and the U.S. Open. I competed in the U.S. Open in 1988. So when we talk about motivational speaking empowering, engaging, uh, and also I'm a community influencer representing Golf Galaxy as well, and just being out in the community, uh, letting letting people know that golf exists for those who's never ever had a chance or the opportunity to go to a golf course, go to a country club. How do you hold a golf club? So I like to encourage, engage, and empower women and youth to let them know that they too can learn this game of golf and the values that it's going to teach you is that it's going to be a lifetime of expertise that you're going to learn. And so, again, just engaging out in the community, empowering women and youth to let them know that they, too, can be a champion on and off the golf course. Because uh, golf will open up so many doors for you. It's, it's part of networking. That's where all the business is taking place, right? Right. So, so if you've never picked up a golf club and you've never been exposed to that opportunity, how are you to network? 
You're definitely leaving a door um, unopened. Yes, you absolutely. Know, people always talk about um, the business that's discussed on golf courses and the interactions that happen um, on golf courses. And so I think having an understanding of the game, how to participate in the game, how to develop oneself, you may find a love of something you never knew, but you also will find yourself more prepared to be um, on the course if you need to be on the course. Absolutely. And so. what we found out during the pandemic is that over 4 million women have learned how to play this game of golf. And that's quite remarkable. That's a record-breaking stat status, if you will, because they were not introduced. You know, the husbands or the significant others were out on the golf course during the pandemic, and they were stuck at home, you know, cleaning the house or watching the kids. And so they got a little, they got a whiff of what was going on. They're like, hey, I want to go out there and have some fun, too. So we're really excited that uh, women decided to pick up this club. But more so than anything, Tanya, I'm really glad that women of color have made the move throughout the country mm -hmm. to learn how to play this game. When they're talking to me, they're like, oh, yeah, Avis, it's like, um, it's wonderful. I love it. You know, it's, it's I hear people who play love it. And I was going to ask you that in the vein of, of the girlfriend, you know, um, experience. A lot of groups are coming together and they'll get together and they'll go play. Do you ever go and um, teach or do, you know, a clinic, so to speak, for, say, a group of women who might be part of an organization. And a lot, I've seen people do it as sort of their exercise or just, you know, relationship building as well. And they'll have, like, maybe uh, a period of months or a series of whatever classes or whatever that they do where they have a clinic. Do you ever go out and, and train or teach um, women who are part of those types of clinics? Currently at Golf Galaxy, We've established that okay. for a clinic in the store, which is great because it's over 100 degrees here in Vegas. So why it not is. bring them in to a building where it's AC, everybody's comfortable, and we'll provide them with snacks and drinks, what have you. And that's what we do at Golf Galaxy. My ultimate goal and my dream is to uh, create the ABR Golf uh, Academy here in Las Vegas. I believe that uh, is one of the reasons why I moved from San Diego to Las Vegas, being very spiritual. When the spirit moves, you got to move. You got to move. You gotta now, how move. long have you called Las Vegas home? From it's been about a year and a half now. Okay, so you are somewhat of a you're still a transplant, a newcomer. So you're getting your you know your um, feet settled and getting wet and trying to figure out what's going on here in the desert and trying to keep cool. So is this your first summer or your second? This summer? is. Uh, my second summer here with okay. my family. Okay. Mm -hmm. Summer is the test. Yes. I think summer is the test for anyone in the desert. I actually was born in um, Arizona, although northern Arizona. I grew up in southern Arizona, so with the heat. And it's always about 5 or 10 degrees warmer there. But I think the desert summer is the test of who survives. I have to agree with you stays. on that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But the summer nights in the desert are absolutely phenomenal and um, some really great golf um, here in the city. Uh, I won't put you on the spot to say what's your favorite course or some of your favorite courses, but I know there's some great locations to play here. Yes. Well, I can share with you that I had the opportunity of playing Southern Highlands. Mm. And I hear that's that a wonderful golf course. course was absolutely I hear that is a wonderful course to play. We um, I used to serve with Komen um, in the vein of the breast cancer awareness, and they would do 
a golf tournament to support breast cancer out there. And one of the years it was out at Southern Highlands. And we had a really good response, just partly because people wanted to play that course and they don't always have the opportunity to access it. So, yes, I hear that's an amazing course to play. But we have some beautiful views. And um, is nature also one of the things that calls the people when they're playing golf? Because you're outdoors, you're getting fresh air, you're you talk about the spiritual aspect. So you're communing, you know, with God. Um, you've got everything around you. Um, is that un- one of the pieces that draws you to it as well? And do you ever talk to people about sort of how it maybe centers, helps to center? Absolutely. So I also give private lessons uh as well, Tanya. Okay. In fact, I received a call a few days ago, and this gentleman says, hey, I'd love for you to, to, to um, teach my two daughters course management. And, and that's a specialty that I have as a service as well, is course management and mental toughness. And so in addition to that, just being out on the golf course is so relaxing, it really is. You're just out there in your own little world. I know people are like, but you're out there from four to six hours. That's a long time. But that's four to six hours of relaxation. It allows you to just shut everything down. And you're like, oh, I'm not worried about this. I'm not worried about that. Because remember, you mentioned earlier, you've got to focus and concentrate. You have to focus. You have <laughs> right? to be present. You yeah. know, as people say, you have, you have to, to be, be present, present. And, and take in where you are. But you introduced another um, aspect that once again, I had not thought about relative to golf. And when you said course management and mental toughness, um, recently we, I had a conversation with some other guests about um, rejection and then we spilled that in, it, it spilled into mental health. Mm-hmm. And when you said mental toughness, can you just expound on that? Like how golf is relatable in that way, how it impacts and influences people's you know, how, what, what you do in that space of mental health. Or- yes, absolutely. So when we talk about mental toughness, we're testing our ability to see our strength and capability, uh, how we perform under pressure. How well can you hold up? So, so let's think about this, Tanya. Golf is the only sport that takes four hours. Do you know how long that is compared to basketball, football, you know, what, two hours? Now you add another two hours. So to stay focused for that long period of time takes a lot of stamina. Mm-hmm. And I highly recommend those that are taking their golf to the next level that they reach out to a sports psychologist. And I was very fortunate to have a sports psychologist when I was growing up as well. And so that sports psychologist Uh, I'm not certified, but I have the uh, ability to teach and let the the students know how to train their mind Mm. Uh, because I can only speak from experience. And because I have an incredible record of accolades and success, who better yet to to talk to about, talk about it. Expert, yeah, absolutely, right? absolutely. Yeah. So uh, to talk about what does it take to control your brain, the pros and the cons, the wins, the loses. What are you thinking about when you had a five on a par four and you get yourself upset? It's like an airplane. You're traveling in the air and all of a sudden you do a nosedive. And then you're like, oh, my goodness, 
you got yourself upset because you took a five when you really wanted a four. Now you have to restart your engine, get that playing field back on plane mode, and so you can continue to travel. That's where that energy comes from. And if not, you have destroyed your realm because the brain does not work that way. And what I mean by that is that you have to stay steady. Mm. You cannot allow yourself to get upset or angry or uh, derailed is a better word to use. Mm -hmm. Once you get derailed, the round's over. So I'm working with a a student today, um, a great little golfer, and he just won the Junior Nevada Open. I'm so proud of him. And I'm teaching him mental toughness. Mm. And for the parents that are out there, it does not only apply to golf. It applies to all sports. I think it applies to life. And and I'm loving listening to um, how golf transcends everything. And it's making me think of the sport in a way that I never had. And having, uh, while I had great respect for it, increased respect for the discipline it takes for a person to play. And I know you could say a person can start at any age. You can begin to play golf, I suppose, if you wanted to. But as a young person, for when young people, when they start, I I would think that it carries through to all of their studies, um, collegiate success, academic success, because of the discipline it helps to give you to stay focused. I think when we started, there was a question I had for you, and we may bring that question to to round out our conversation today. And it was, if you could sit, tell yourself one thing when you were a little girl based on what you know now, is there anything that you would write a letter and tell, have, to have told yourself? Yes, I would have. My letter would consist of why wasn't there more opportunities for me as a little girl of color traveling around the country wanting to learn and be the best that I can possibly be why was it always a a problem why was it an, an obstacle and so I only wanted to play golf I wanted to 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 win I wanted to bring home the trophies like my brothers so my letters would be you know why why made it so difficult for me why 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 make it so difficult for me. And I say that, Tanya, because my last year of playing junior golf, I won 13 out of 16 golf events. And I wanted to be golfer of the year. And when I went to the banquet that evening with my parents, I was so proud. I had my corduroy burgundy blazer on and my corduroy slacks. I was sharp. And when they called my name runner up, my heart just fell to the ground. And I was like, oh, they must have made a mistake. But just so happened they changed the curriculum that year to a GPA. They gave it to a young lady that had a G- her grade point average was 4.2, and I believe mine was a 3.9. And that just broke my heart. So to answer your question, if I were to write a note to myself, I would want to include in that letter uh just let me play golf and be me. I think that goes back to my first comment when I talked about the idea of being this little black girl who has the potential to be anything you dream you can achieve. And at the same time, there's society on the other side saying you can only go so far. But what 
So it's like the two dichotomies are an oxymoron within themselves. But when you defy those odds and you achieve the greats that you have achieved, we can only stand back, stand up, and applaud because you're a shining example of what a person can do when they're passionate about their dream and they have drive and they have support. Yes. So to your family and to you, I tip my hat and say kudos and congratulations. And I want to thank you for spending some time. Um, I'm sure you have social handles. So can people follow you, get to know you better on your social handles? Absolutely. So you can reach out on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Avis Brown Riley, and then also the book, Building of a Champion, How I Became a Champion in Life, the Avis Brown Riley story. You can find that on Amazon, I, uh, Apple iTunes, Barnes & Noble, Walmart.com, Target.com. It, it's out there. It's out it's there. I look forward to another conversation and talking a little bit more about some more things that we have in common. Um, but I want to thank you for spending some this time with me today, this morning, and I wish you a wonderful rest of the week and a great day. Well, thank you. Thank There's you. one more thing that I like to say. Yes. I just want to let the readers know that I made the front cover of the African American Golfers Magazine for summer edition. Congratulations. I'm yes. going to I'm going to look at that too. Yes. So, so I just want to thank DeBert Cook, who's the publisher, for just being very, very supportive in capturing my history. And that means the world to me. So Your story is phenomenal. I know uh, the first time I met you, I was simply in awe. It was fascinating and amazing. So I look forward to, to hearing more about you, from you, and spending some more time getting to know you. I wish we had more time this morning, but um, the clock is ticking. Our time is up. But thank you again for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was qu quite a pleasure. Until next time. And thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank you for tuning in to The Scoop with me, Tanya Flanagan. And I want to invite you to get social with me. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. My name is my handle, T-A-N-Y-A-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N. You can also find me on Instagram at Tanya Almanize Flanagan. And if you have a thought, an opinion, or a suggestion, don't hesitate to shoot me an email to tanya.flanagan at unlv.edu. Thanks again for joining in. Stay safe and have a great week.